the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the final four betting preview. I'm Stucky and joining me tonight to preview both games are my colleagues, BJ Cunningham, Mike Calabrese. Gentlemen, how goes it? Uh, are you, I'll start, Mike, with you. Are you, where's your excitement level? Is the hype too much for Duke Carolina already? I feel like this Will Smith stuff has kind of helped out with that. What, where do you stand? I think the hype is appropriate given the likelihood of a fun up and down game, lots of emotion, passion. Um, I think sometimes we try to force through rivalry games in years where teams just aren't quite on the same level or just the overall quality of play is not there, but you can't really ask for much more than the way these two teams are playing. Duke has finally put it together. They truly look like that complete offense. That's not overly reliant on one player, specifically Paulo Bancaro and North Carolina has just taken it to a brand new level. And you can see the kind of passion in which they're playing for their coach. So it doesn't seem contrived. I think you get that in year one, year two with a new coach. So you know, stripping aside the the rivalry and a lot of the pomp and circumstance of everything related to Coach K, I think it's going to be a great matchup on the court, which I'm really excited about. Honestly, the only thing that's a, a little bit of a downer is that Villanova isn't coming in at full strength, because if they were, I think that would be another coin flip game. Um, but that's not certainly not going to rain on the parade in New Orleans. I think it's going to be a very good set of semis and hopefully a great game on Monday night. I, I agree. It's the first time these two teams have ever played the tournament. Like, come on. Uh, it's okay to get excited. We don't. St. Peter's, the run was cool, but it's time you go. Huge names here. BJ, are you uh, over the hype already, or are you, are you getting more excited? I'm getting more and more excited by the day. I'd say when it first happened, uh, I was kind of – I don't know why, but I was just kind of over it. I just I'm so sick of this Coach K retirement tour, which he doesn't want him to be about him. Eight months into it, he told everybody, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about the kids. Well, eight months too late on that. But I think once Friday and Saturday rolls around, then the juices will start getting flowing. I'll start getting pumped up. When I hear Jim Nance's voice. Then we'll know we're here, and it's going to be a really intense 40 minutes of basketball. It's going to be a lot of fun. To flip this around real quick to you guys, any predictions on Jim Nance's call should Duke win it? You know, he's, he's basically in the lab right now trying to work up a pithy one-liner when the confetti's coming down on Coach K, what do you think he goes with? My prediction is he's going to give his tie to Coach K because he always gives out a tie to the you know the best player or whatever, whatever senior through the tournament. I think he's going to give it to Coach K if they win it all. That's my prediction. I think he'll make some kind of military reference to Coach K starting at Army and winning his final battle. He'll try to make something poetic out of that. That would be my prediction. Usually he likes to get into the, the word play of the team, if it's a dog and cat fight, something like that. But I think he'll go back to the original roots for Coach K. What do you think, Stucky? Yeah, I think I'll say something like the tour continues, There's but no matter what, there's one left. There's one game remaining, something 
alluding to the fact that no matter what, it will be Coach K's final game for the national title. Um, that's a fun game. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, he's trying to cook up something very memorable. Um, all right, let's 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 get right into these games. And by the way, this Final Four, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Villanova, I have in my bracket zero of these teams in my Final Four. So um, I don't know how many – how many of you guys – how many of the Final Four do you guys have in your bracket? I, you have two? I got two. Kansas, I was riding the whole way. Um, but Nova, I just had a good feeling about coming through the end of Big East play. I was there – when they beat Providence on their home floor, their last regular season game, I just kind of felt the good vibes there. The rest of my bracket was a disaster, so I'm certainly not trying to toot my own horn, but I got two of the four. Stucky, not only did I not get any Final Fours right, I did not get a single Elite Eight team right. So I am in dead last in every single pool that I have joined. So this is truly, I think, the worst bracket I've ever had. Yeah, I'm right there with you, brother. All right, let's 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 break down these games which is the most important thing, no matter where your bracket is, we still have bets to make and place. We'll get to some player props stuff as well throughout, but let's start chronologically. Of course, we'll start Villanova, Kansas, Villanova, the two seed, Kansas, the one seed, Kansas, a four and a half point favor here over under one thirty three. Interestingly enough, this, this game is played. Well, we played at a football stadium in new Orleans, at the Superdome. Maybe the sight lines aren't great. By the way, there was rumors that like the balls were overinflated last weekend. I don't know if that's going to be the case again, but like shooting was way down. Unders were just cat. No one could make a three. There was just everything was long. Um, you might hear that unders went three and zero here. The last time the Final Four was in New Orleans, which is true, they went three and zero and they went under by an average of nine points per game. But if you go back to two thousand three, overs went three and zero that weekend. The previous time that. The final four was held here and overs cashed by an average of nine points per game. So throw all that out. It's all about breaking down the games. The major storyline here is there's no, Oh, by the way, of those two final fours, 2003 and 2012, just a fun fact, Kansas finished runner up in both of those tournaments. The last three times that these two teams have also faced off in the tournament, which has been self versus right. The winner has gone on to win the national title. Something has to give with those two things. But, uh, and this is a rematch of the 2018 Final Four, which Kansas barely pulled out against Villanova. Major storyline here, no Justin Moore. uh, Really unfortunate injury. He will not be available for the remainder of the tournament. Villanova's obviously not a deep team. He's very important on both ends. So, okay, how much does that matter for one game? That's obviously a big part of this handicap. Kansas has looked impressive, but the road hasn't been that tough. But they came out of the Big 12, which we know is one of the best conferences in the country. So a lot of different angles where you can go with this one. Uh, let's, uh, BJ, I'll start with you for the next game. Let's, uh, you know, we got our guy in Philly. We'll start with him with Villanova and Jay Wright, who's going for his third national title since 2016. Do you like Nova here or do you think – this is Kansas game, especially without more. Well, before I get into the pick there, I'd just like to piggyback on your thoughts on shooting in domes. It's always overrated. I think a lot of casual sports fans come in and they're like, it's, you know, this wide open air, the dome, it's, you know, the sight lines are going to be weird. There's been six 
games played in the final four and the semis at the Superdome. You know, it was the Superdome. Now it's the C, you know, Mercedes Caesar, whatever you want to call it going back to 93. If you put those six games together, the teams have shot 40% from three. So this is just, it, it's not in my mind, an automatic over. Cause I think the threes are going to fall, but I just put it. totals went three and three by an average of zero yeah. points. So it, exactly. So it's like, it is a non-factor in my mind in, in, in terms of shooting inside the dome. When it comes to Nova, though, you know, you hit it right on the head. Justin Moore, not only was their leader in minutes, their second leader in score, scoring, but I think even more important is when you look at this Nova team, their signature weakness is really defensive rebounding. And he's one of the best rebounding wings in all of college basketball. And I think when you take him off the floor, Jay Wright's going to do a nice job piecemealing together his offensive production in terms of shooting, in terms of points. But I just don't see how they're going to hide that against a Kansas team that can really get after you on the glass. Just some of the numbers, you know, with more, when you look at the, the head-to-head, um, you know, I just don't really necessarily see how they go from 165th in defensive rebounding and kind of plug that hole. And then Kansas, 32% of offensive rebounding opportunities puts them 26 nationally. I, I just think that regardless of how Kansas is shooting early on, they're going to get second chance point, you know, opportunities. And really some of the biggest strengths for Nova this year, namely their foul shooting, is how they can close games out. And they have that veteran presence with Gillespie, and they're able to kind of just suck the life out of teams down the stretch by not turning the ball over and not making mistakes. I think you're going to see more usage in terms of players handling the ball outside of Gillespie that aren't used to it. So I just don't think we're going to get a vintage Villanova performance here. I'm a little bit surprised at the number, but I'm not interested in laying the three and a half or four or whatever ends up closing at. I'll just take advantage of the money line number and, and go ahead and play the Jayhawks. I think this is their game to lose. And despite an easy road, I do think they've been playing better basketball for the better part of you know the last month. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Jayhawks. Yeah. One, a couple of things that could, uh, you know, from a numerical standpoint, I have more worth about two points to the spread in this particular game. Now it's, he could be worth more. You could add more, more, no pun intended, but you, the, the sample size with and without him isn't great because Villanova doesn't have a lot of depth. So they, a lot of their guys play most of the game, but their, their possession projections in their games are because they play really slow. This is a pace clash. Kansas wants to play fast. Villanova wants to play slow. It's not as high as like Duke, North Carolina. So your impact is not as big. Um, so if like more was missing and then, you know, this total was 160, it would be different, but I am worth about two points. So I, I make Kansas less than a three point favorite here. So I lean Villanova. I want five. One thing that I, I think that without, without more Villanova and obviously they can, but I just don't think that they can win the national title, but I do think that they could get there and without more and two things potentially could work in their favor here. It's that, all right, everyone else steps up without him factor. You see it all the time in sports. All right, we know we're missing more. Everyone else just plays out of their mind. There's kind of just raises their level. Um, and then two, there's just some uncertainty, right? So like, what is Villanova going to do? Like, cause Jay Wright can come up with, it's a whole week to prepare here. He can come up with some new sets, some new looks that Kansas might not be prepared for early. So I, I don't know. I think that, they can the sting of losing more might be a little less painful for the first initial game without him. Um, Villanova also does do a really good job of slowing the game down, and keep, which could help keep Kansas out of transition where they're absolutely deadly. But before I go to BJ, Mike, can you buy that at all? Like just maybe some uncertainty with what Wright's going to do and everyone else kind of steps up angle. You see that in other sports sometimes. 
it, it kind of plays into my favorite player prop for this one. Brandon Slater is a kid who was playing great in late January and all through the month of February. He actually, before the NCAA started, had scored in double digits, 11 points per game in his last 12. Then he gets to this tournament, he scored five points for this entire tournament. They haven't needed him. He hasn't shot the basketball. If his number is below 11 for the points projection uh, for the player prop, I'm, I'm all on the over because he's the one that I see them targeting. You know, shoot the ball more. We're going to need you to take seven, eight, nine shots in this game as opposed to what he's done in some of the games, which is really just play defense, rebounds, and, and be a solid role player. I, I think, at least for your argument, if the number did bubble up to five and you could get two and a half in the first half with Nova, I agree that as the game shrinks down, the advantage goes to Jay Wright, who's really proven to be a, a seasoned operator, being able to dial up plays and get players in the exact position to succeed on the offensive end. But I think over the course of a 40-minute game, no matter how hard they try to slow things down, I think Kansas will end up scoring some buckets in transition, and that kind of feeds their energy. Um, so I, I still like Kansas. I understand where you're coming from and it does, you know, boil down to a value proposition. So we'll see just how far the pendulum swings in the other direction before this game tips. EJ thoughts. Yeah. I tend to lead towards with you stucky towards Villanova. I obviously I do want a five. The, there's a couple things that, you know, work in Kansas's favor. The, the thing, obviously what Villanova loves to do is they love to shoot a ton of threes and they love to do a ton of pick and roll. Well, Kansas is top 50 in the country defending both of those. So like you said, Sucky, Jay Wright's going to have to figure out some new type of schemes or sets to actually beat Kansas. Villanova has to slow the pace down and play, make this a 60-possession type game if they're going to have any chance of winning. Because Kansas, even though they're very good in transition, they're 152nd in points per possession and half-court offense per shot quality. And also, Villanova does an outstanding job of preventing you of getting to the rim. And Kansas is top 30 in terms of the frequency they attack the rim. So even though Villanova doesn't have the, the height or the size to deal with McCormick or Lightfoot, they're still top 25 in terms of preventing teams at the rim and field goal percentage allowed at the rim. So, and you saw against Houston, that forced Houston to take a lot of shots from outside the arc, which they did go one of 20. I don't expect Kansas to go one of 20 from behind the arc because they're a better three-point shooting team, but it's still the type of game plan that Villanova can do and keep Kansas away from the one thing that they want to do. So I lean towards you, Stucky. I do like Villanova in this matchup. I would love a five. And I do think that if they can slow his pace down, I think they have a good shot uh, at getting to the, to the the championship game. Yeah. And we're, we're, we just saw the Miami game. So maybe we have some recency bias, Kansas blowing out Miami in the second half, but for a lot of the year, we've talked about this Kansas will win games, but they have trouble at times extending and building margin. Um, And that could come back to haunt them here and it could end up staying a tight close game or, you know, Villanova could get down like seven to eight, then they make a run. It gets down to two to three. And um, so that's, that's something to keep in mind as well. From a player prop perspective, you mentioned Brandon Slater. I think that's a really intriguing one. I'm going to dig into that one, Mike. Uh, I, I like Eric Dixon over eight and a half points. That's you can get that a plus money right now. He has gone over that number 20 of 37 times this year. So over half the time. And I think he's going to get more minutes. And if you look at Kansas's defense, where there's potential holes, you know, Nova runs pick and roll tough nationally. Kansas elite at defending the ball handler, but they struggle a bit against the role man, specifically McCormick. And I think that Dixon is going to have a, they're going to look for him in pick and roll a lot more. And then in the post, Kansas actually is not that strong of a post defense, despite its size. So I think Jay Wright, what he's going to have to do here is, all right, I got to get my bigs more involved. I got to get these other guys more involved. I think Dixon's going to get more looks. And for what it's worth, in the one game where 
Justin Moore didn't play against UConn, and Nova won by 11. They were up by 25 with 10 to go. Dixon had 24, 12, and 6. So he was kind of the, one of the biggest benefactors and a bump in production. So I'm going to look at Dixon over. BJ, any player prop targets for this specific game? Yeah, I'm very interested in uh, Colin Gillespie under three and a half assists, which is at plus 125 right now. So a couple things I think that are kind of working against him. He, I think with obviously with the loss of more, more of the scoring load is going to be put on his shoulders. And second off, like you already mentioned, Kansas is very good in defending pick and roll and also three-point shooting, especially catch and shoot three-point shooting. So those are the main two areas where Villanova and Colin Gillespie are going to get most of his assists. So far this tournament, he has one assist against Houston, two against Michigan. He did have four against Ohio State and Delaware. But during the regular season, he only had over three and a half assists in essentially 17 minutes to 33 games, so essentially half. And the game against Connecticut that you mentioned, without Justin Moore, he only had one assist. So I think especially getting a number at plus 125, I think you're getting some decent value on, on under three and a half assists given the fact that more of the scoring load is going to be put on him and that Kansas is pretty good at defending the two things that he's going to he's going to need to be able to get uh, most of his assists. Just quick notes on both of those. Um, Sucky, I love yours because with a low number, you look for a big, can he shoot foul shots? And just like everyone on Nova's roster, he's over 80%. So you're looking at some freebies if he gets sent to the line and not a heartbreak, you know, where he goes three for seven or something like that from the line. And then I, I agree with you, BJ, because of their pace, they like to get into the half court and then start dishing the ball around. They run him off of screens. They like to get to Gillespie in certain catch and shoot three point spots. So he's not that traditional, like break the press himself. And then all of a sudden any three on two opportunity, he's going into it, you know, pushing the ball and getting some of those, those easy freebie assists. Um, so the fact that it's plus money, I'm going to go ahead and sprinkle on that. I, I really like that angle. The one thing to watch here for Villanova and it really bit Miami because Villanova, Villanova and my, like Miami was, it was just an awful matchup for, Miami just can't rebound. They can't really defend at the rim. But Miami also doesn't have depth. And Villanova, they can rebound. Not, not They're not really strong on the defensive end in that area, but they're not as bad as Miami. They're pretty good at defending the rim. But like Miami, they don't have a lot of depth. So something to keep in mind is watch the potential foul trouble. Like Villanova cannot afford to get in foul trouble in this game because it's a very thin rotation that's going to be even thinner without more so keep that in mind if you're looking at uh any live betting angles uh mike do you, do you want to add anything else to player props yeah i, I think we've covered that you know pretty well on um on the nova side there wasn't anything that necessarily popped out to me on the kansas side i should say i do think that the the current prices for rebounding are pretty well calibrated given that i think they're going to have a significant advantage and also there's just some volatility as we've discussed countless times on this podcast between Jalen Wilson and McCormick. Like, I don't know which one's going to show up and have that dominant performance and get to the double double. So I'd rather just keep my money on the sidelines as it relates to Kansas player props. All right, let's move on to the second game of the night, the nightcap, the hype act, Carolina Duke, Duke Carolina, however you want to start it. Their first ever meeting in the NCAA tournament. UNC, the eight seed Duke, the two seed Duke is a four, four and a half point favorite here over under 151. This will actually be the first time since tournament expansion in 1985 that two teams will meet in the final four that split their only two meetings during the season. It's never, never happened since 1985. We've had a couple other conference meetings at conference clashes between two conference foes in the final four. 
specifically since 2000, we had Michigan State, Wisconsin, 2000. But Michigan State won all four meetings that year. We had Maryland and Duke in 2001 when Maryland was in the ACC. Duke won three or four that year. Carolina and Syracuse was the most recent one in 2016. And Carolina won three out of four that year. These two teams have only met twice. They each won in convincing fashion on each other's home court by double digits, and they put up a lot of points. I think the total points scored were 154 and 174, and the winning team scored, I think, 84 and 94 points in both games. So lots of offense. The first thing that jumps out here is if you're familiar with lines, you might say, wow, well, Duke was just an 11.5-point favorite at home in Cameron Indoor earlier this month against Carolina. Now they're only laying four. Like, you know, you remove three and a half, four points, but – you got to remember that game with all the hype and Coach K's last home game, a lot of public support, narrative support. And by the way, North Carolina gets a big bump for winning that game by 13 points. And since the first of the month, there's arguably been no one better in all of college basketball. And they've probably had the best resume in the actual tournament, the resume of wins. So they've just skyrocketed up power ratings. Uh, now, granted, Duke is playing well, but they were already rated really high. So I think that the line is actually – it's not like a, a huge mistake, as some might think. Um, I think this will come down to which offense can execute better because I do think that both offenses have major edges here. BJ, I'm going to start with you. Duke, Carolina. I am really leaning towards the over here, and maybe potentially – I mean, I'll probably end up playing the over uh, pregame, but this is, a, this is a really fun live trading game back and forth because yep. – the pace of this game, I believe, is going to be very, very fast. The first meeting, there were 69 possessions. And in the second one, 75 possessions. That second meeting, that 75 possessions, that's the fastest pace that Duke has played at all throughout the ACC regular season, ACC conference tournament, and NCAA tournaments. Why that pace was so fast and, I, and why it was more significant than, uh, in, than the first meeting is because Duke absolutely torched North Carolina in transition, 1.15 points per possession in the first meeting and 1.24 in the second meeting. So even though Duke plays at a slower pace than North Carolina, North Carolina top 40 in terms of adjusted tempo, I think Coach K and Duke knows that they can absolutely torch this team in transition. So I don't think you're going to see Duke sit in the half court, do a lot of their isolation and cutting sets. I think they're going to want to get up the floor and try to get to the rim because if they actually try to play in the half court, if they miss a shot, they're probably not getting an offensive rebound because North Carolina is the second best defensive rebounding team in the country. So if you go back to those meetings though, what's interesting is that especially the second one is that if you look at the box score, neither team really shot completely lights out only both teams around 54% from two point range. And there are only 16 threes made in the game. The difference was North Carolina got to the free throw line 22 times. So with the pace being that fast, and even though we're playing in a football stadium, I think it gives you a lot of breathing room to hit this over. I mean, both teams are outside the top 200 in terms of points per possession uh, allowed in transition. So I think this is going to be an up and down, fast, uh, free-flowing, fun type of game that we're going to have a ton of points at both ends. So I love over 151 points. Uh, I think as far as the spread is concerned, it kind of lead towards North Carolina, but honestly – like I said, I think this is just a fun live trading game. So if you can get basically either team at a significantly better number than they are pregame, I think you just go ahead and, and, and hit it live because I think this one is probably going to come down to the last few seconds. Uh, hopefully would, it would be a great, great storyline. We haven't had a buzzer beater all tournament long and we finally get one in Duke, North Carolina to either send coach K to the title 
or to end this retirement tour. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun though. Yeah, I'm I'm back to my predictions that this is gonna come down to the final minute. Um, and maybe that's just wishful thinking because we the tournament has lacked some drama in key moments. But I really do believe that. I, I think that the, the this is gonna be. I agree. I lean the over. There's not a lot of margin for error in a final four game going over 151. Unfortunately, like if it's really close and then both teams just grind it to a halt and start playing tight at the end for like the final seven, eight minutes when they're just valuing a possession, you know, the over could be doomed, but I do think both teams are going to play up and down. They both excel in transition. It's where all of their talent and athletic ability shines and both defenses are bad in transition. I think Carolina is a 28th percentile per synergy and Duke, I think is in the 32nd. So those are attackable areas. Then I think in the half court, both teams also have edges on when they're on offense. Keep in mind, this Duke defense, we talked about it coming into the tournament. Wow, there's major issues with this Duke defense. I don't think that's really changed, right? Their offense has been on fire. They scored 78, in all, at least 78 in all four tournament wins, but they haven't really faced an elite offense. You know, Michigan State, Texas Tech, Arkansas, Fullerton. None of those We're teams three-point shooting team. Yeah, or good three-point shooting. None of those teams are ranked inside the top 30 in adjusted offensive efficiency on Kempom. And by the way, they all scored a lot. Like, Texas Tech was scoring a lot. Michigan State got to, what, 76? Um, Arkansas was couldn't buy a three, but it's not like the Dukes defense shut them down. Now they're going to face an actual elite offense, and it's their biggest test. And they have issues off the ball, communication. So I think Carolina could score here. Carolina's defense has been playing well. But this is a different animal with this Duke offense, arguably the most talented in the country. So I think Duke's going to score at will, too. The one interesting point here, maybe this will – well, I'll bring up two points before I throw this to Mike to get his thoughts. One, does the pressure get to Duke? We talked about, all right, it's all about Coach K. And, like, down the stretch, maybe it was a distraction. They seem to put that behind them in the tournament. But there's, like, a week of Final Four press, and I don't know. Maybe it's a little too narrative-y. And – the other thing is one of the things that Carolina did different in the second game is in the first game, AJ Griffin went nuts. And he had 27 points in that game. They had leaky black, one of the best defensive players in the country guarding Ben Carroll. And they had Maddox on Griffin. Well, in the second game, they switched that up and they actually put black on Griffin and Griffin went from 27 points to five. And the Ben Carroll obviously has a plus matchup now against Maddox. He went from 13 points to 23 in the second meeting Manic was pretty consistent throughout. He had 20 and 21. He went 11 of 20 from three in both meetings. I'm assuming he's going to get some more open looks from three, getting some open looks off the ball where Duke can have some trouble getting lost in the sauce, so to speak. Lots of different angles to take here, Mike. Give me your thoughts. So just as an exercise, particularly for big games, whether it's the Super Bowl, the Final Four, College Football National Title, as soon as the matchup's set before the numbers come out, I like to just write down, you know, on a cocktail napkin, my own projections for the total, the spread, you know, the money line. And very quickly, I was talking myself into under. I said, you know, neither of these teams turn the opponent over very much. You know, the defensive rebounding is on lockdown when when Duke shoots. So there's not going to be a lot of easy second chance buckets. And then the total came out and I had written down 158 and it comes out at 151. So now I'm on the opposite side of that. A lot of the things that you brought up in terms of playing a little tight, I think you could also see that in a game that's... Yes, by the way, they were 154, I think, and 155 um, during the regular season. So obviously um, you were closer to those totals than what this has opened up if it had. And I figure just the the brand of basketball that Duke's been playing, which I, I totally agree, they've been 
more than happy to speed up their opponents. And even if that means, you know, some efficiency losses on their defensive end, they're like, it's fine. We'll just outscore everybody. So all of that was leading me, you know, at the end of this, once the number came in and coalesced kind of in that low 150 range to the over here, I will say in terms of how I'm, I'm betting the whole thing, I was kind of viewing this more as a coin flip. I had a Duke minus two and a half. So I think the value is on North Carolina money line. So what I'm going to do to protect myself, I do not believe that North Carolina, all of their advantages and everything goes out the window if Baycott gets in foul trouble, does have a good game. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the majority of my money on North Carolina money line, and then I'm going to bet under on points and under on rebounds on Baycott just as kind of an insurance policy if he has to go to the bench with two or three fouls in the first half and the game kind of gets away from them. So that's how I'm, I'm betting it, not in that I purely love the Tar Heels. I think just the values there, I think that the spread is off a little bit. And I don't think it's even even given the, the point spread, as you mentioned, you know, the, the history on this going from 11, 11 and a half at, um, at Cameron Indoor all the way down to four here. I still don't think it's reflective of just how well North Carolina has played. I don't care about the, the number eight next to their name. I think really this is more of a coin flip, maybe Duke by a possession. Um, so I'll go ahead and take the Tar Heels. And, and that's just my strategy. What do you think about, you know, getting into the minutia and trying to hedge a little bit with player props, or is that purely something that you separate out from your, your regular plays? Uh, I don't bet player props enough. I mean, I to have a real opinion there. Um, it seems like it can get a little messy, but that, that makes sense. I mean, Bacon has to be on the floor for them to have a chance here and he has to be controlling the glass. Uh, so I, I don't hate it on the surface, um, but I, I pretty much only bet player props like, five times a year in like huge games. Um, we'll get into some player props now. They got under 12 and a half rebounds at plus money. I do like he's gone under that number 20 out of 37 times. So over half the time this year, now he's gone way over the tournament every game, but he's had just massive matchup advantages inside a little different against Mark Williams in the two regular season meetings against Duke. He had five and seven to 12 total in the two games that he played, I think 30 and 35 minutes. Um, so I like Baycott under 12 and a half rebounds. I also don't hate Williams under rebounds too. I think that those two are going to battle, but you'll see other others get in to the mix as well. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is, okay, black on, if I, I assume that Kellen will do the same thing. Cause you know, it was really their offense that won the game, but it worked. So why not keep black on Griffin and, you know, then, Bancaro is going to have a plus matchup against Manic. He's around 17 points, 17 and a half. I think that's close to right, but I think Black would lock down Griffin. So I would lean under there. Um, but I think Baycott under is probably my favorite play. BJ, any thoughts on player props? And actually, under rebounds, I should say. Any thoughts on player props for Duke Carolina? Well, yeah, the Baycott one is very, very interesting. And I actually was going to ask you guys what you thought of that um, because, you know, I was looking through it and Mike hit the nail on the head. Is he has to stay out of foul trouble if he wants any Yeah, that's another factor. He could get in foul trouble then all of a sudden. Exactly. Really I bad. mean, I, I went through and uh, basically his game logs and anytime he plays over 30 minutes, 16 out of 18 times, he's gone over 12 and a half rebounds. So essentially. But what, what, what were the two exceptions though against Duke? Against Duke, exactly. So that's why it's very funny. It's just like, okay, he didn't do it against Duke. And all the other times, essentially, he either got in foul trouble, they were playing, you know, a non-conference smaller school where he didn't play a lot. For example, the first game against Marquette, he only played 28 minutes uh, and didn't hit over 12 and a half rebounds. So I agree with you that 
it's definitely leaning towards under, especially with that plus money. I think that's good. I'm actually, you mentioned it earlier, Stucky. I like Brady Manick over two and a half, three pointers made at, at even money right now. He's, I mean, he's just shooting lights out. He's made over three. He made at least three, three pointers in seven of his last eight games. He's attempted at least six threes in every, every single NCAA tournament game where he's shooting 47% from behind the arc. You already mentioned it six of 10 from behind the arc from Duke in the first meeting, five of 10 in the second meeting. Duke is also 237th in open three-point rate allowed. So if the pace is fast, we're getting a lot, a large number of possessions in transition. North Carolina is the type of team where if they have an open three in transition, they're going to take it. So, and Manic is mainly one of those guys that does that if it's not Caleb Love. So uh, that is my, especially with that, at uh, even money. I definitely like that, but I agree with you guys as well. Baycott under 12 and a half rebounds is at plus money is good value as well. Uh, Manic 11 of 20 from three combined in the two meetings against Duke this year. Mike, what do you see from a player prop perspective? Yeah, really, I just narrowed in on, on Baycott, but just to respond to, to BJ's poll there with Manic, I feel like I also have to piggyback onto that one because really it's, I want to see proof in the correct sample size and in the t- this tournament run, are they going to them? Are they giving them opportunities from three? And Manic, you know, absolutely checks those boxes. So I think, uh, did you say it was plus money? I, I think it's, I saw minus yeah, one cent. even money. Yeah, even money. I, I think that that's good enough to to spark my interest. This is going to be a game that there's going to be lots of stretches of both teams just bombing away. Um, in terms of like other props that I'm interested in, this isn't a player prop, but I will throw it out. I always love a double result, particularly in big games where you get emotional swings. So I'll probably go with Duke first half and then North Carolina win the game. And you get some really good payouts on those, particularly when you're taking the underdog to come back after a halftime deficit. So I'll go ahead with that in terms of, you know, my overall belief that Duke may get a little bit tight down the stretch with this being coach case last game. I know we talked about narrative, but if North Carolina is going to do it, um, I think I'd rather have a, a huge payout as opposed to, you know, plus 160, plus 175, something like that. So you, you want to shop around on that. My threshold for something like this would be plus 300, plus 350. Um, if you can get a number like that or better on the double result, I, I'd pull the trigger. Yeah. And as BJ alludes to, I lean Carolina, I lean the over. I don't think I'm going to pull the trigger on the total. I'm just a little afraid of like the, are uh, these, the balls and uh, just what I saw last weekend. There's not a lot of room for error, but if I had a plan, I would play the over. I think this can be really fast paced. I agree with BJ. I think that this is just, and this leads into what you said with the double result. I think it's going to be a game of runs. So this, it's a good, this is a, a good uh, game to do that type of bet in. And I think it's going to go back and forth. And I think it's going to come down to the wire, but I think it's a great live betting game. So I think I, I probably will be able to get a better number with Carolina live. Like I, I should, should be able to get a six. And obviously if Carolina comes out and goes up 10, nothing and leads wire to wire, that's a, ends up being a poor decision. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. So I, I don't know. I might put a little bet on Carolina pregame and then wait for a better number live. Um, so uh, we're all in agreement on the Tar Heel side. All right. Great stuff. Breaking down both games, by the way, make sure you download the award winning action network app to follow all of our picks, player props and or sides or totals for each game. We'll also have great info on actionnetwork.com and the action network app. Another reminder, Big Bets on Campus live Saturday morning, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Myself and the guys from the three-man weave will be breaking down both games. And we'll also have uh, an interview I did with Sean Kerner, the prop master on some player props on that show as well. All right, um, before we get out of here, one final order of business. I'm going to ask two things. Your prediction on the national title 
and then who wins. This is the final final college basketball episode. Sadly, we'll have a, li- a live show on Monday, but we won't have a uh, episode. We really appreciate everyone listening and supporting us all year. Really fun stuff. It's been a really fun tournament. I hope we get a really fun close. Let me see if we have any giveaways. Let me check to see if I have some quick reviews. This is Head and Shoulders, my favorite college basketball podcast. There's I've always loved gambling and college ball. My favorite part is these guys give the majors the same attention as power conference guys. Keep doing what you guys are doing. Shane Dav one two two. Make sure DM me or the producer Matt Mitchell at Old Boy Uncle Mitch will get you some gear. Appreciate the five star views. They really help us. Uh, there's no one better in college sports than Stucky. Well, that's not true this year, but I appreciate that. I will listen wherever he goes. He brings great analysis and understands podcast pacing better than anyone. Um, I appreciate that, brother. That's S G A G A ha ha S H B B F F Y. Okay, that's my mom saying that. Thanks, mom. Um, so make sure you DM. We'll send you some gear. And uh, one more, J Man Mets fan. This pod is must listen. I guess that's how you get four point nine stars. I'm a huge fan of their other podcasts as well, but this is by far and away the best college basketball podcast I've listened to. It's not even close. Great job. Appreciate all that support. Make we'll send you out some gear. Um, love to give back to people that support us because those do help us out. But we have one final order of business. Tell me your prediction. Two things, right? So two angles here. Your prediction on what happens. So just who's going to win. If you want to go into more details, that's fine. And then who ends up winning the national title. And then on the flip side, not your prediction, but what you want to happen. So they could be the same, but this could be based on, you know, I hate Duke. Uh, I have a futures bet on this team. I would rather see these two teams play. Whatever you want to go with it. Mike, I'll start with you. What do you think happens? And who's the national title winner? And then if you were the college basketball god and you could just design what happens, what would you want to happen? In terms of what I think will happen, I do believe that North Carolina is going to stay hot. They're going to get past um, you know, Coach K here, and they're going to meet up with Kansas. I think Kansas will end up getting – a relatively easy win over Villanova team that's just going to be, you know, unable to, to fill the production of Justin Moore. And then in the title game, I think it'll be Duke um, that'll end up outclassing a Kansas team that for all the things I loved going back to early in the season, when I grabbed them at 25 to one, uh, you know, the way Abaji was playing at the beginning of the season, if he was playing as he did right out of the shoot and he had that killer instinct, and that kind of spread to the rest of the team. I feel confident because I do feel like they have the highest top gear, but I don't have faith that they necessarily can find it where Duke, the way that they're playing offensively, I, I believe in that. And I, I think that's the easiest thing to bank on. If I had to choose, you know, I, I would say in terms of, you know, the, the overall humility factor of potentially Coach K either losing to North Carolina or losing to, to Kansas in the title game, I would love to see that. Um, I just think that Duke's going to end up taking it all the way. Um, so I think we're just all going to have to deal with that. And it'll be something a la the way they covered Tebow on ESPN for like eight months. They'll just be covering the Coach K coronation forever. It'll go right into Tom Brady coming out of retirement. And it'll be the two stories that no one wants to hear about. Um, so I'm trying to save everyone from that. I, I hope that they lose to North Carolina or Kansas. PJ, what happens? And what would you compare that to what you would like to happen? I think that Duke, unfortunately, is going to barely get by North Carolina with some friendly calls from the referees in the the last three minutes of the game. And I also believe that Kansas will get by Villanova. um, And then I just I think I think Duke will 
ultimately end up winning the title. What I want to happen, I'm trying to decide as a Duke hater, if I want Duke to lose on a painful buzzer beater or get blown out by 30. I'm thinking I'm leaning towards blown up by 30 because that Coach K's last game in Cameron. No, Rangers. we don't want that. We need more oh, drama. There's only, it was there's so only three good. games left. I mean, we don't need this all this build up for a team oh. that's 83 to 54 with eight minutes to go. But I, just want, I, I want the visual of Coach K on Bourbon Street apologizing to everybody, but everyone being oh. drunk and not paying attention. Where he's just like, we owed you better tonight. You know, we. we I, I, this is my responsibility. The camera shots of the Duke bench during that just getting blown out is going to be so good, though. Like, that is going to be worth <laughs> all everything other than you know the excitement or whatever and then selfishly i have a villanova future at 25 to 1 so i hope that villanova beats kansas by 55 and then they go to the title oh game oh my god this is gonna be and the then they blow out north forward. carolina by good. 35 in the 60 possession game so what is that like 55 to 23 that's what i'm gonna go with so and then hopefully i can not lose that money thank god you're not the college basketball god <laughs> uh, designing all this because every game will be decided by 50. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say selfish. I'm going to say what I think is going to happen. I actually think that Nova is going to pull off a stunner. I think like that first game without more, everyone else steps up. I, I, I think it's going to be close. So I'll, I'll say that I think that Nova finds a way to win. And uh, I think Carolina is also going to win. Um, and then we're going to get a rematch of the uh, recent national title. One of the best national titles ever. Um, where Nova won at the buzzer after the forgotten shot when Carolina hit that that pump fake three that no one will uh, not not many people will remember now, but it was just an amazing shot by the goat. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say it's Carolina Nova. But what if I would I want to happen? Actually, no. I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna say yeah. That was my first gut. So yeah, I, I think both games are really gonna be honestly coin flips. Um, what I want to happen is I'd rather Duke get to the title and lose. I mean, I grew up as a Duke hater. Uh, my dad was a Duke fan. He went to that Leitner shot game, sat under the basket where Leitner made the shot at the Spectrum. I was like five years old. Apparently I cried and didn't talk to my dad for a week. So I grew up hating Duke. It's how I got into betting. I would bet against him every night. I was, when I was in seventh, eighth grade, I was out. I'll bet you 20 hours Duke loses tonight. And I would watch every game. And it was my ROS when I was my best college basketball better because he would never make his son in seventh grade, give him $20 if they won. And this was in the 90s. So they would win a lot. And then the rare time they would lose, he would give me 20 bucks. And this is how I got in basically my first uh, taste of gambling. And uh, I've been rooting against Duke since I was uh, a toddler. So I hate Duke and I'm a Kentucky fan. We can't have Duke win it. But I think that the hype that I'm going to be in Vegas, um, let me know if anyone out there is out, come meet up for tricks for the games for for free on me um it'll be more excitement with duke the build up you know it's not like we have a week of hype it's just like one day in between so i'd rather duke i'd rather the excitement in the book the excitement in the arena coach and then and then coach k gets his heart broken in the final game oh it'd be so good uh against kansas because i think that villanova can't is like if they win if they beat kansas it's gonna be because everyone else has to step up and it's a low possession game and then like villanova in the final they're not gonna have more Everyone else comes back down to earth and they're going to try to play like a, a 40 possession game in the final. Like, um, I don't need to see like Butler UConn again. So yeah, what I would want to happen is Duke, Kansas, two teams that will run in an excite, exciting brand of basketball. If it's Kansas versus either of these teams, it'll be a, a fun game to watch, but I'll say Kansas Duke, um, 
and a la Kansas Syracuse final in 2003 in New Orleans when Syracuse hit a late shot to win it. And then Hakeem Warwick, I believe, blocked the Kansas three in the corner at the end of the game to seal it. I'm going to say Christian Brown hits a three from the corner that doesn't get blocked that wins it to beat Duke at the buzzer 19 years later. Wasn't Coach K, wasn't his first title over Kansas or did he lose his first title versus Kansas? I can't remember. So you have that storyline coming up. Either one of those. I don't know. I'm Googling it right now, but. Um, Kansas. Um, that it was, was yeah. 1991. 90? 1991, yeah. the year I was born. In 90, they beat UNLV. Yep. Or they lost to UNLV, right? Yep, they lost to UNLV. Yeah. And then I believe that they, was in New Orleans. They beat them in the Final Four. Was that in New Orleans too? New Orleans was 93 when they beat uh, the Final Five. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah, Duke beat Kansas in Coach K's first uh, ever title. So, and Christian Leitner was on that team. So, a fun little uh, storyline there if Duke plays Kansas. You're going to hear about that a lot. Two football powerhouses. That's right. Um, Mike, any final words, parting words uh, on the college basketball season at large next year, these games, however you want to go with it, or do you feel fulfilled? Well, I just want to throw this out there. I've had a lot of fun with you guys here on the podcast. I don't want you to go full Murray State and everyone to enter the transfer portal after the season's over and then you end up on like the CBS Sports podcast or something like that. Please come back to the program. We're going to build something special next season. Uh, That's all I want to throw out there right now because my heart's feeling pretty full. It's been a great college basketball season, not monetarily for me, just lots of bad beats, lots of melts, lots of teams shooting out of their shoes. Xavier the other night against St. Bonaventure just turned into like the Splash Brothers, all these guys just making shots. So basketball can be frustrating, but overall had a really great time discussing it with you guys. And uh, I hope we can get the band back together for the 2022-23 season. Absolutely. No, I'll be here. Uh, and we'll be here starting in the summer for Big Bets on Campus. College football previews will be here before we know it. BJ, any parting words? Well, I just want to thank all the listeners for uh, welcoming with open arms to the BBOC family. I know you guys were all used to hearing uh, Mike and and Colin and Stucky a lot. And, you know, obviously I was a a new, fresh voice on on this program. And I appreciate people not uh, saying hateful things to me every single week. Uh, People were very nice and very gracious throughout this whole thing. So thank you all to the listeners for continuing to listen, even though I'm not Colin Wilson. i Truly do appreciate it. Um, and I'd like to thank you, Stucky, and you, Mike, for just a wonderful, wonderful season. I know it wasn't great monetarily, but I had a ton of fun doing this podcast, and I really look forward to hopefully doing it again in the future. And we single-handedly upped the capacity for SWAT games online and Facebook yep. Live. So, you know, we did our part. It wasn't just the wins and losses at the window. I think that's important to keep in mind. So it's not about the woods lost about the friends you make along the way, uh, <laughs> but it is uh, ultimately it's betting show uh, about the woods losses next year with a vengeance. Don't you worry about that. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun with you guys. A lot of fun with everyone throughout the year. It was frustrating at times, but those years happen. And I hope we get a great final four and a great final. And then it's on to a little rest. Then some baseball, um, some tennis, traveling and then it's into football and then it's right back to the to the crazy grind um by the way for those who are looking to get into some baseball betting we have a, a new podcast uh with just some great baseball minds and our best baseball people 
Uh, maybe I'll make an appearance or two on there at some point during the season, but make sure you check out Payoff Pitch. Must listen uh, for the baseball grinders and even just the baseball fans. So check that out. Wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you download that Payoff Pitch. Mike, what do you, anything planned for the summer? Are you betting anything? You got a trip plan? Anything you want to highlight? Uh, I am going to sit down and finally write my ebook. Um, as some of the listeners know, I put together an all-time simulation tournament for college football, the best team since 1980, did it for college basketball this spring, had a really good reception online. A lot of people were interested in it. Matt Norlander from CBS Sports uh, was following along with it, was nice enough to put in some of his content over there. So I think I'm going to take the plunge and put it all together into one downloadable ebook, maybe a stocking stuffer for the holidays next year, just to settle or start arguments about the, the greatest teams of all time. So I think I'll take my, my off season, so to speak. I don't cover baseball to, uh, to dig into that a little bit. Love it. We'll make sure I plug that. I plug it on Twitter and we plug it next year on the podcast. Sounds uh, like a, a fun endeavor. BJ, anything you're going to be covering indoor trip or anything you want to mention from your summer? I'll be, I'll be covering uh baseball, but um, um, I guess this is kind of breaking news, but my wife is actually due with our first child at the beginning of May. So wow. I'm taking care of a, a child this summer. Uh, so you might not see me around uh, yes. the months of May and June, but I will be back this fall working uh, as much as possible as a human can, because obviously we have college football, but we also have a world cup uh, in Qatar. So uh, I will be running around trying to cover three or four different sports at once and trying to take care of a, a six month old child. So, um, but I'm looking forward to all of it. So uh, I'm looking forward to kicking back a little bit this summer, but I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to, uh, I think it's going to be one of the more fun uh, falls of sports uh, in a long time. First of all, congratulations, BJ, as a, a, two, a two-time boy dad myself, I can speak to the craziness that you have ahead, but it's all awesome. And the timing works out great because the kid won't be mobile yet during football season. So you right. can still, you know, be on baby duty, but keep an eye on multiple screens. And I'm really looking forward to you dialing in live from Cutter with some, you know, college <laughs> I'm not, football I'm hot not takes. Going, I'm not going to the Middle East. <laughs> you see my skin complexion? I would just fry like, a, like I'd be so red coming back. I wouldn't make it. But, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, um, I'm also, I'm going to be a, a boy dad as well. So, uh, it's yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy and hectic, but it's going to be a lot of fun. No Doha for BJ. Yeah. I'm going to reset for about a month. It's, I mean, this it's, it's always a grind, but, uh, especially when you're just not having, when you're not crushing it, but this during COVID, it's just dealing with like the, all the COVID news and now it's settled down at least, but it just makes it that much more tiresome. So I'll take a couple weeks, uh, and just sleep, lay around. We're finished almost on our our finished basement, have some stuff to do with that. I'll read a bunch of nonfiction books that I've had lined up, um, try to read one a day and then just lay around for about a month straight. And then it's baseball grinding, some tennis, and then it's football prep. And then everything will be here. Got a couple trips here and there. Um, so uh, then it's back to the grind again. Um, so, yeah, congratulations, BJ. And Thank you. Uh, good luck on your your book mike and good luck this weekend gentlemen and uh yeah hopefully the band is back together next year appreciate everyone listening make sure you subscribe unsubscribe subscribe big bets on campus wherever you listen to your podcasts and again a reminder big bets on campus live saturday 10 30 a.m eastern with myself and the guys from three man we will break down both final four games and have uh an interview i had with sean kerner on his favorite player props and thoughts on some of mine 
Once again, thanks for tuning in. Good luck this weekend with your wagers, and we will see you soon. Cheers. Cheers.